0: All right. Well, I want to welcome all of our campuses to week one of our brand new series called "Brave," a study in the Book of Daniel. Come on, can we just welcome all those that are joining us— Baton Rouge, Gulf Coast, those in Metairie, Little Creek, all those each week that join us online as well. I'm really excited about this series. Matter of fact, six years ago, uh, if you were part of our church. I taught out of the book of Daniel, probably the most downloaded series I've ever done. Two or three times a year, I'll teach through a book of the Bible. Uh, And I did it six years ago. I had so many people pastor. We'd love for you to do it again. Of course, I've been studying it afresh. Matter of fact, you that maybe are guests or new to our church, uh, I plan out a year in advance what I'm going to teach. Of course, it doesn't mean I don't switch things at the end, but it was really interesting Uh, last year in the beginning of the year, Uh, when I was laying out the series little did I know uh, how appropriate the book of Daniel would be in this time what I mean by that is I believe and we all realize that we live in a very unsettled time I mean just think about just think about even in the last six months I mean just whether it's COVID-19, the racial tension, the political tension, the economic challenges, all those things around us. And it's interesting all that's taking place. But even prior to six months, there has been a shift in our culture for a number of decades. I'm going to talk about that in the series. Matter of fact, this is a series that uh, sometimes a series I would consider more inspirational. Uh, this is what I would consider educational, informational. There will be some inspirational aspects, but I want to encourage you to take a pen, a piece of paper, uh, to be able to take notes. We're not handing out notes at our campuses right now. Of course, online, you can download this stuff. Uh, but, but this is, a, this is a, a thinking series. It's a series that we have, we, we have been planning and praying about because I believe that we are currently in a shift. There is an ultimate shift the Bible talks about in the end times. Uh, The question, Pastor, are we living in that? I'm going to address all kinds of things in this series. Speaking of shifts, how many of you know as you get older, though, there are certain things that have a tendency to shift like your memory. Matter of fact, recently I had one of my sons tell me, actually this summer, I'm 51, he goes, Dad, you've told me that like five times. Any parents have ever heard that from their kids? And it's interesting, I I realized that. And, and, And I could have sworn, I said, I don't think I said it to you one time. He said, no, five times. Of course, now they can video you. You know what I'm talking about. No, Dad, I can play it for you. We begin to forget things, and it often impacts our relationships. I heard about two elderly couples who were enjoying friendly conversation when one of the men asked the other Fred, How was the memory clinic you went to last month? Fred replied, outstanding. They taught us some great techniques called visualization and association. It made a huge difference for me. That's great. What was the name of the clinic? Hmm. Fred went blank. He thought and he thought, but he couldn't remember. Then a smile broke over his face. And he asked, what do you call that flower? You know, the one, the long stem, the thorns. You know the one. Come on. He says, you mean a rose? That's it. You got it. And he turned to his wife, Rose, and says, What's the name of that clinic I went to last month? (laughs) Everybody say shift. Okay, that's a memory shift. We're not talking about a memory shift. We're talking about a culture shift. I believe there's not another book in the Bible that greater depicts a culture shift than the book of Daniel. Question, how do we respond When the culture around us doesn't reflect what we believe in our hearts. How how do we we respond to that? There there is a man in the Bible, matter of fact, a group in the Bible, in the book of Daniel, Daniel his name, but also his friends that were living in a culture that shifted around them. In one moment they were in a culture, they're worshiping God, they're in the downtown church of Jerusalem, worshiping God. They were monotheists, mono, the Latin word one, worshiping God, Jehovah God. Next moment, they're taken hostage and they're taken captive and they're deported to a land of, of polytheism, many gods. What do you do? What do you do when the culture around you shifts? Not only is a culture shift happening, I believe in our culture, scripture is clear that in the end times there's going to be a massive culture shift. I don't know when the end of the world's gonna come. I don't know that. I do think that the Bible gives us keys and clues. And I've taught through the book of Revelation. I've taught through 1st and 2nd Thessalonians. I've taught through a bunch of books of the Bible that I believe Daniel is a very prophetic book. I'm gonna talk about that in a moment. I do feel a responsibility as a pastor to equip the people that call me pastor. What the Bible says, Pastor, does the Bible have anything to say about the times in which we live? I believe it does. When I was at the Baptist Seminary, I remember the, the professor told me, he told our class, he says, I think that any, every Christian should read the Bible in one hand and the newspaper in the next. Why? It's amazing and astounding how much of Scripture speaks to where we are today. The powerful dimensions of Scripture. Now, culture. Everyone say culture. Culture can be defined as the beliefs and the customs of a particular society, group, place, or time. It's a way of thinking. It's a way of living. It's a way of behaving that exists in a certain place. A culture shift doesn't always mean a change of geographical location. Sometimes it does. You can live in the exact same place and have the culture around you shift. Pastor, why study the book of Daniel for six weeks? I'm going to be teaching all the way into October. I'm going to be teaching each one of the messages Very excited about it, doing a lot of fresh study, a lot of fresh insight on it. I'm going to give you four reasons. If you have a pen and a paper and you'd like to write this down, I'm going to give you four reasons why I believe it's important for us to teach through the book of Daniel, particularly particularly in light of where we are in our culture. I do realize there are people around the world that watch us online, but but I, I believe not only a global phenomenon, but I'm speaking as someone that lives in the United States of America specifically. How does the Bible applied to where we are in our culture. I'm not talking about just our community, our region, even our state, but even, glo- even our nation. And there's global dimensions to this message as well. Four reasons why I think the book of Daniel is so appropriate right now. Number one, Daniel's situation, I believe, is becoming increasingly similar to our own. What do I mean by that? For most of his life, Daniel lived in a culture that didn't reflect his values. From the time of, he was a teenager, around 15 years old, deported from Jerusalem to Babylon. He lived till about 90 years old. So 75 years, he lived in a culture that didn't reflect his values. How did he succeed? How did he thrive? How did he make an impact with his life? Was God still with him there? We're going to talk about that. Number two, I think the second reason why it's important for us to to study the book of Daniel over the next six weeks is that Daniel's prophecies may all soon be fulfilled. This book is filled with, watch, dreams, visions, prophecies about the end times. In the weeks to come, you guys are going to be, those of you that weren't here six years ago, you are going to be staggered by how historically accurate, The book of Daniel is the book of Daniel talks about not only the Babylonian empire, not only the Persian empire, not only the Greek and the Roman empire. It is amazing. I'm going to share some things in a moment. The prophetic dimensions of Daniel and even how it impacts our lives today. It is it is a book that is written in a time period that spoke not only of that time period, but also the times to come. Number three, the third reason why I think that it's important for us to study the book of Daniel is Daniel's God is our God too, and he, is still is on, he still is on the throne. That we believe we serve the God of history and that he is in charge. He is in charge of families. He's in charge of nations. He's in charge of individuals. He's in charge of our past. He's in charge of our present. He's in charge of our future. We serve a sovereign God. Listen. Who is over history and he is still in control. How many of y'all grateful that God is in control? You know, dad, sometimes we've taken naps on Sunday afternoons. You get woken up from a nap, right? And it's like, what's going on? How many know God has never woken up from a Sunday afternoon nap and doesn't know what's going on? He's the sovereign God, the God of all history. Number four the greatest example i think that i could find in the scripture of a godly person daniel who experienced a rapid one day in jerusalem the next day in babylon or day shortly thereafter a massive cultural shift is daniel <clears throat> and yet he lived bravely i'm going to give a little bit of historical background it's going to take a couple minutes I'll do this one time. I want everybody to lean in at all of our campuses. I think it's so important for us to get some background. Daniel is in the Old Testament. It's in a group of books called the Major Prophets. Here's a little bit of background it's right after Jeremiah, Lamentations, and Ezekiel. This is very important. Little backstory. Daniel lived around 400 years after King David, 600 years before Christ, 600 BC, around that. Again, lived about 90 years. He's a teenager when he's deported at 605 B.C. He dies at 90 years old. So it's in the 500. Very important that we understand that. He lived under a succession of Babylonian and Persian rulers. From the humble beginnings of being a deported hostage, he becomes a trusted prime minister. You're going to hear, and if you're a guest here, I want to say this up front. You're going to hear this week in and week out. All right? Very important. I do not believe, Church of King does not believe, I do not believe the Bible teaches that we are ever to embrace a defeatist mentality. I don't care how anti-God our culture may become, we can rise up under the anointing of God and the gifts of God and make a significant impact where God places us. Wherever it is. We do not subscribe to that. Let's all just go hide in a cave until the rapture. We believe make an impact. The dark gets darker, but the light gets shiner and and brighter. And we are part to play. Daniel rose up. He became a counselor to the prime. He He was an impact player in a pagan nation. And I believe that God will raise you up in the business world, the arts and entertainment, the sports world. In every area, the political, I believe that God will put his hand upon women and men to make significant impact just like David, or just like Daniel. The book of Daniel is broken down into two key sections the practical and the prophetic. I'm gonna do this one time. The first half, the, the first six chapters, very important. The first half, the initial six chapters, focus on the person of Daniel. The second half, the final six chapters, focus on the prophetic aspects. By the way, Daniel is a key. It is the most prophetic book in the Old Testament. And it's a key to understanding the book of Revelation. You can go download that series I did as well. Due to the fact, many of the prophecies of Daniel, not all, but many have been fulfilled. As a matter of fact, let me just give you one. Daniel talks about succession or succeeding kingdoms. Babylon, the Medo-Persians. The Greek Empire. Remember Alexander the Great from Macedonia. Do you remember? It's so interesting. This is history. Josephus, a Jewish historian, When Alexander the Great, this is all in the history books, when Alexander the Great came into Jerusalem to take over Jerusalem, there was actually a chief rabbi. You can look this up today. A chief rabbi that told Alexander, the reason why Alexander the Great did not destroy Jerusalem is because the chief rabbi of Jerusalem said, wait, time out. Listen, Alexander, you're actually in the Bible. This is all in the Bible. When he showed Alexander the Great, he goes, wow. He was so overwhelmed, he actually let Jerusalem stay. There is prophetic power. Why? Because God is the Alpha and the Omega. He is the beginning and the end. He knows the outcome. That's why we got to get to know that God. Are you all with me? We've got to get to know that God. He knows us before the storm. He knows us in the storm. And he knows us on the other side of the storm. Power of the serving the God of history. Wow. Let me identify a couple key players and then we'll jump into the scripture. Man, I am so excited about this message series. Main players, three main characters. Number one, opening chapter of Daniel. There's Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonians. I need everybody at every one of our campuses to understand what I'm about to say. Nebuchadnezzar is the ruler of the Babylonians. Babylon represented a geographical area, all right? But whenever you see the term Babylon in the scripture, all right? It not only represented a geographical area, and there was not only a people called Babylonians, but as you go throughout history, and as you go throughout the Bible, Babylon also represents a world system that's opposed to God's ways. Very important that you understand that. Yes, there was a king, a ruler named Nebuchadnezzar. Yes, there were people called Babylonians. Yes, there was a physical location called Babylon that actually overtook Daniel and his friends. But Babylon as a world system, whenever you see it, all the way in the book of Revelation, John the Revelator in the Isle of Patmos, he talks about Babylon as a world system. So it's both a geographical place but a world system. But in the book of Daniel, Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonians, all right? So key players there, very, very important. Second is Daniel and his three friends. They're Jewish. They're Hebrews is what they are. They represent believers in the world living to obey God in the midst of a dramatic culture shift. Finally, there is a sovereign Lord of all history who places his children in the world and purposes to bring them to safety in the end. He is the one behind the scenes orchestrating world events to bring about his will and his purpose. The book of Daniel should endue you with faith for the journey. When the book opens, we find Daniel and his friends hanging out. First city, first church of Jerusalem. They went to to church just like they've always gone to church. And one day they look up and they see this smoke, these billows. Uh, they, They thought it was smoke, but it was actually the dust clouds. The dust clouds coming from the east of the Babylonian horses. And they're kicking up all this dust cloud. They didn't know what was going on. They got nervous. They ran inside. They began to tell their parents. And as this invading army comes into Jerusalem, that invading army first targets the young people. The cream of the crop. The leaders, these young Jewish Hebrew leader boys. They take them, they round them up, and they deport them. All right? Back to Babylon. There's three major deportations. The first was 605. That's when Daniel went, 605 B.C. Daniel chapter 1, verse 1 and 2, it talks about Daniel and his friends... And this young group of people being taken from Israel, from Jerusalem to Babylon. Now we pick up in verse 3. I want to talk to you about what happens when culture shifts. One day they're living in Jerusalem, the next day they wake up in Babylon. One day they're going to church worshiping God. One day they're excited about Jehovah God, and they're learning Scripture, and they're learning the Bible. The next day they find themselves in a foreign land, a pagan land, that is listen, antithetical to their value system. How do they survive? How do they thrive? What do they do? Daniel is the greatest book, in my opinion, specifically in the old testament but i think in all of the bible showing us how to thrive in the midst of a pagan culture number 1 what happens when a culture shifts culture attempts to give us new language new learning and new laws daniel chapter 1 verse 3 to 5 the bible says this they are now in babylon then the king instructed ashpenaz the master of the eunuchs to bring some of the children of Israel and some of the king's descendants and some of the nobles, young men in whom there's no blemish, but good looking, gifted in all wisdom, possessing knowledge and quick to understand, who had the ability to serve in the king's palace and whom they might teach the language. Remember, they spoke Hebrew. The language and the literature, the learning of the Chaldeans. And the king appointed them a daily provision of the king's delicacies and of the wine which he drank, and three years of training for them, so that at the end of the time they might serve before the king. It's helpful to know in verse 1 and 2, the evil king Nebuchadnezzar attacks and besieges Jerusalem and again, deports many of these Hebrew kids. Starting in verse 3, everything else in the book of Daniel takes place in Babylon. Everything else. Verse 3, chapter 1, everything else. Babylon. From this point on, Daniel is away from his homeland in Jerusalem. And as we know, he never returns. You could call this, in this first chapter, in my terms, I'm calling it operation assimilation. Operation assimilation. You said, Pastor, why do you say that? Well, it begins with a selection process. Aimed at the cream of the crop of Jewish boys, the king assigns them to Ashpenaz his right-hand man, and he then makes sure they get the best education that Babylon can offer for three years. They are immersed in Babylon culture, history, language, and the religion of Babylon. Interesting. At the end of the time, they would enter into the king's service and be assured of high-level government positions. This is very clever, but it's very seductive. Number one, they start with the young. Isn't it interesting that the enemy has always attacked the young? You look throughout history. You look throughout the history of the world. The enemy fears the development of young men and women of God that have a God awareness and have a God conscience. Think about Pharaoh back when he began to kill the babies. Why? He knew a deliverer was coming forth named Moses. Think about Herod when he began to kill all the Jewish boys under two years old. Why? Because he knew a deliverer, a Jewish deliverer named Jesus was about to be born. Isn't it interesting the very strategic attack on the young by the enemy? It's historical in nature. You look in the history books. You see, the, 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 why is that? Because of the vulnerability, the innocence of the young. Start with the young. Nebuchadnezzar called in his vice president of human resources, Ashpenaz, and gave him a, stu- a two-step plan for re-education, a re-education camp. What was the re-education camp? Get these sharp young Jewish boys, step one. Give them a full scholarship to Babylon University, the Ivy League school of the ancient world. What was to happen there? They would learn the science, the astrology, the commerce, the history, the cultural mores, and the aspects. They were to understand the religious system. They were to be, they were to be indoctrinated with Babylonian thinking, Babylonian believing, and Babylonian ways. Why? The younger impressionable. Step two. They were to be offered food from the king's buffet. It was all you can eat. How many of you know the enemy still knows the way to a young man's heart is through his stomach? Come on, y'all know what I'm talking about. All joking aside, they were to be offered the finest in this culture. The problem is that culture didn't honor God. They wanted to change language, their learning, their laws to bring about a shift in the mind of the young. Now, I want to say this I value education. I've been to college. I went to Tulane University. I have a degree in rhetorical studies. I've been to graduate school. I'm actually working on my doctorate. I, I value education. My dad's an attorney, my mom's a principal. I, I value education, and, 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 I, and I mean that, I, so I'm not against that at all. I will say that I think it's important for us to be aware of what happens in education. Specifically, I remember when I was uh, at Tulane University, I, I became a Christian, and uh, I was on fire for Jesus, still am. As a matter of fact, I, I remember, I, remember I, was, I was innocent, I was in love with God, still am, but I was innocent to, to think that everybody else was going to be excited about this. I thought people, I thought my friends, I thought everybody was going to be fired up, and I thought my professors. I mean, my gosh! I, I mean, I, there was a transformation in my behavior, and in my, but, 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 i now I'm sharing about Jesus. Little did I know that not everybody was excited about Jesus. I remember getting in some pretty heated discussions, conversations. I say this respectfully. I know we have professors at our Baton Rouge campus, at every one of our campuses. We, uh, I respect. I believe there are good, God-honoring teachers and professors at every level, and even in the, the graduate level, the university. So I, I know that. I want to qualify that. But little did I know that there was such a bend against Christianity that I was about to come up against. There was one particular professor, I, I, I wrote a book, it was a mass communication class, and I, and I wrote the most popular, and they talked about the most popular movie, the most popular book, the most popular uh, thing that, that, that ever, and, a, and from a mass media standpoint, and I wrote on the power of the Bible. Oh man, you'd have thought I walked in from Mars. And I remember the discussion that I had at the end of the day. And the professor was very honest. He said, Steve, do you really believe in Christianity? Do you really believe that? I said, I really do. Christ has changed my life. Not only just experientially, but I believe historically and the reasons why. And I began to talk about that. And what I want to say to you is this. It's very important that we understand. We've got to understand what Babylon teaches. By the way, I want to make a comment Proper education is teaching people how to think, not what to think. Babylon always tries to teach you what to think. You should teach, you should learn critical thinking skills. That's what you should learn. How to think, not what to think. Babylon always tells you what to think. Wow. I've got so much to say. Are y'all ready for this series? Are y'all really ready for it? I'm going to turn over more stuff. I'm going to talk about more things. Why? I am so deeply concerned where we are. I'm deeply concerned where we are as a nation. I'm speaking as somebody who's, I'm deeply concerned about the hurt, the turmoil, the pain. I'm concerned about things. I'm concerned about even this last couple weeks, what's happened on Netflix, soft porn. You ought to Google what's taking place on there. With the young people. It is unbelievable. And I'm thinking, just as a nation, it's like, what are we thinking as a nation? You ought to go online and Google what's going on. People canceling Netflix. Why? Because of the sexual exploitation of the young. It always starts with the young. The young in their mind, the young in their heart. Why? Because if you can get them when they're young and you can capture their mindset, you capture a generation. That's exactly what's going on. Pastor, what are you talking about laws? You saw what happened a couple weeks ago in California. You ought to go check that one out. That now the exploitation of a young person in California sexually? Are you kidding me? Boy, don't even get me started. I think it's some, I think it's time that we that we lift our voice and say, wait, time out, time out. We gotta gotta stand for righteousness. We gotta stand for God's word and God's feet. We gotta stand. Number two, culture always attempts to give us new labels, new labels. A culture that doesn't honor God will always try to rename you. Look at Daniel chapter one. I'm just going to be teaching verse by verse through the book of Daniel. Daniel chapter one, as many verses as I can. To them, watch this, the chief of the, so number one, they want to infiltrate you, get you to learn their language and their learning. But number two, they want to, they want to, watch this, they want to rename you. Culture wants to rename you, to weaken you. For them, the chief of the eunuchs gave names. He gave Daniel Hebrew name. He gave him the name Belteshazzar, Babylonian name. Hananiah, Hebrew name. Shadrach, Babylonian name. Mishael, Hebrew name. Meshach, Babylonian name. Azariah, Hebrew name. Abednego, Babylonian name. Daniel and his friends were given new names. They had the option of allowing those names to define them. Think about what those names mean. If you don't think it's important, Daniel's name means God is my judge. Babylon renamed him Belteshazzar, which means Bel protect the king. Boy, that's a difference. How about this one? Hananiah means the Lord is gracious. Isn't that a powerful name? The Lord is gracious. Hebrew name, Babylonian name. You know what his Babylonian names? Shadrach means in Babylon, it means command of Aku the Babylonian moon god do you think when his mama was teaching him the scripture as a young Hebrew boy that she thought that his name was going to end up being uh, uh, something associated with the Babylonian moon god of course not Mishael who is like the lord boy isn't that powerful Labeled Meshach, which means who is like Aku, another Babylonian god. Aziel, which means the Lord is my helper, was renamed Abidmigo, which means servant of the shining one or Nebo, yet another Babylonian god. What you name somebody, what you call somebody is so important. That's why we call somebody, you're a man of God. You're a woman of God. You're anointed of God. God's hand is upon you. Why? Because what you call somebody becomes part of their psyche and internalized belief system. We declare God has called you chosen and righteous. We believe in objective truth. We believe that there is a God. We believe that he sent his son Jesus to die on a cross. We believe he paid for our sins. We believe he rose from again from the dead. We believe in the gift of the Holy Spirit. We believe you're a woman of God, anointed of God. We believe you're redeemed. We believe you're forgiven. We believe you're chosen. We believe you are called of God. What are you called? What are you named? I understand the power of a nickname. I'm not trying to oversell this. I am saying this. I want to call somebody what God calls them. How about you? Amen. I remember as a kid in eighth grade, they, they, two seniors, I played football. I was a skinny little kid, and they called me Flea. Now, I was a funny little thing, but I remember hey, Flea. And, uh, and, 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 so, and I had that name. Matter of fact, one of the guys who's a business community leader in here is a friend of mine. When he sees me, I don't even think he knows my name. <laughs> he still calls me 35 years later. Now, that's a nickname, but the point is, is that we have to understand that, 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 that God calls us one thing, but Babylon, I'm, not, I'm talking about, when, when we, I, we better take God's definition. Do you, you know what identity theft is? You guys remember a number of years ago? I mean, you always see these, 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 these breaches, whether it's Facebook. These, I, I wrote one down uh, in 2017, Equifax exposed the personal data to 143 million people. What is it about? Identity theft? What is identity theft about? Somebody's trying to rip your identity off. Somebody's trying to steal. How many of you know Babylon wants to steal your identity? That you're a child of God. You are called of God, redeemed by God, marked God. The enemy wants to rip that off. Well, you forget about that. You think like you're just like everybody else. No, you're, you're, you're a woman of God. You're a child of God, holy before the Lord, chosen by God, washed by the blood of Christ. Pastor, how do we respond? What happens when culture shifts? Language around it shifts. The learning shifts. There are laws that are implemented that devalue and dehumanize the the, the individual. Now, obviously, there's good laws. There's wonderful laws that have been passed in our nation. Wonderful. 1960s civil rights laws that that valued African-American people. Wonderful laws. But there's been a whole bunch of laws that have devalued people. How many know what I'm talking about? that dehumanize, any law that exploits, any law that dehumanizes, any law that takes advantage of is not a God-honoring law. But if it honors and esteems an individual, Babylon always wants to exploit, always wants to dehumanize, always wants to dishonor. Daniel chapter 1, verse 8, how do we respond when culture shifts? But Daniel purposed in his heart that, we would not def- that he would not defile himself. we got to make a decision. Daniel purposed in his heart. Where does this thing go? We got a purpose in our heart. We got a purpose in our heart. We got a purpose in our heart that we're not going to defile ourselves with Babylon, that we're going to live differently. We have different language. We're going to be men of God, women of God. We would not defile himself with a portion of the king's delicacy nor with which he drank, the wine which he drank. Therefore, he requested of the chief eunuchs that he might de- he's not going to defile himself. In other words, Daniel stood firm on his convictions. He's turned firm on that. I may be living in a pagan culture, but I'm going to serve Jehovah God. I may be living in a pagan culture, but I'm going to serve Jehovah God. So in other words, even if culture shifts around us, we don't have to shift on the inside. We've got to get firmer in our belief structure. We've got to know that God is the king. We need to serve the ultimate God. Are you with me? We need to serve Jehovah God. We stand firm in our commitment to God. We stand firm in our convictions. And we live brave in a world that may or may not believe like us. It may or may not. I'm not talking about politics. I'm talking about serving a higher kingdom here. I'm talking about the kingdom of God. I'm talking about the word of God. I'm talking about our allegiance is to another kingdom. Are y'all with me? The king of kings and the Lord of lords. I'll close with this. Uh, There was something I I ran across years ago. It's called the fellowship of the unashamed. I love it because it describes the kind of attitude that helps us to stand and live brave in the face of a culture that's shifting around us, I'm gonna get into so many different things during this series. Man, this is a series to not miss. Don't miss. And don't worry about the Saints games, you can't go to the games anyway. <laughs> you can video them, take no. The Fellowship of the Unashamed. I love it because it describes this kind of attitude that'll help us stand and live brave. Listen to this this was written by an African pastor. Who was martyred for his faith it goes like this I'm part of the fellowship of the unashamed I have Holy Spirit power the die has been cast I've stepped over the line the decision has been made I'm a disciple of Jesus Christ I won't look back, let up, slow down, back away or be still. My past is redeemed. My present makes sense. My future is secure. I'm finished and done with low living, sight walking, small planning, smooth knees, colorless dreams, tame visions, worldly talking, cheap giving and dwarf goals. I no longer need preeminence, prosperity, position, promotions, platitudes, or popularity. I don't have to be right, first, tops, recognized, praised, regarded, or rewarded. I now live by faith, lean on His presence, love by patience, live by prayer, and labor by power. My pace is set. My gate is fast. My goal is heaven. My road is narrow. My way is rough. My companions few. My guide is reliable. My mission is clear. I cannot be bought, compromised, detoured, lured away, turned back, deluded, or delayed." I will not flinch in the face of sacrifice, hesitate in the presence of adversity, negotiate at the table of the enemy, ponder the pool of popularity, meander the maze of mediocrity. I won't give up, back up, let up, shut up until i preached up, prayed up, paid up, stored up until I've spoken up for the cause of Christ. I am a disciple of Jesus Christ. I must go until he returns, give until I drop, preach until all knows, work until he stops me, and when he comes, he will see me. I belong to him. I'm a disciple of Jesus. Come on. How many of y'all, how many of y'all believe that? Come on. Is that what you say? That's what I believe. That's what I believe. That's what I believe. We're going to serve God. We're going to love God. We're going to love people. We're going to love God, but we're going to stand for truth. We're going to stand for truth and we're going to do our part. I want to say this again. I believe this is an opportunity in our nation. Our nation is in trouble. And this is, an, this is an opportunity for the church, for men and women of God, to stand boldly, to declare the love of God and the truth of God, and to be leaders in culture, in every area of society, to be leaders. Let me pray for you. This is week one. You do not want to miss the next five weeks. Father, I thank you that you're teaching us. You're going to teach us, just like Daniel was brave, God-honoring man in a culture that defied you. We don't know where culture is going to go, but we know where you're going, and we're following you, and we're going to stand, and we're going to love you with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. whether it's popular or not, whether it's popular to be a Christian or not, we're going to stand up for Jesus. We're going to love God. We're going to honor you. We're going to share the love of Jesus. We believe in miracle power. We're going to pray for people. We believe in signs and wonders. We believe that you still answer by fire. We believe that you are alive and our hearts are emblazoned with your truth. God, teach us. Teach us. I pray for your peace over your people. I'm going to ask everybody to stand. All of our campuses and those online. I'm going to pray over you right now. If you do not know Christ, the Bible says all who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I'm going to ask everybody to bow their heads. I've got one minute left on the clock. One minute. I want everybody to look at me at all of our campuses. If you do not know Jesus, the Bible says whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Do you know Christ? If you die today, are you ready to stand before God? That's my question. Are you ready to? Jesus loves you. I can't save you, church. The king can't save you. No man can save you. Your aunt can't save you. We can point to Jesus. The Bible says, whoever calls upon the name of Jesus shall be said. Do you know Christ? Have you ever confessed him as your Lord and Savior? With everybody's heads bowed and eyes go say, Pastor, pray for me. I need Christ. I'm not sure about my relationship with God. If that's you, every one of our campus, say, Pastor, pray for me. At the count of three, I'm going to ask you to hold your hand up high. You're not at peace with God. You want to surrender your heart to Christ. If that's you, one, two, three. Quickly hold your hand up high so I can see it, so I can pray. God bless you guys right here. Anybody else, pastor, pray for me. I need Christ. I'm not sure about my relationship with God. Just raise your hand up. God bless you, buddy. God bless you up top. Anybody else, pastor, pray for me. I need Christ. I'm not sure about my God bless you guys. God bless you, sir. God bless you, ma'am. God bless you as well. Let's pray. Church, let's pray for those that are trusting Christ. Come on, let's pray together. Say, dear Jesus. Come on, everybody. Dear Jesus, I come to you today. A sinner in need of a Savior. Say, Jesus, I repent of my sin. I let go of my past, and I turn to you. I turn to the cross. Say, Jesus, wash me with your blood. Give me a new heart, a new life, a new reason to live. I want you to say this. Say, Jesus, I take my life, and I put it in your hands. Let me pray. Father, thank you for the sealing work of the Holy Spirit and the word of the living God, taking root deep in the hearts of your people. In Jesus' name. I want everybody to look at me. If you prayed and trusted Christ as your Savior, there's a card behind your chair. I'm going to ask you to fill it out. What's so cool now is our buckets for all of our guest cards. Matter of fact, offerings, whatever it is, it's so easy. It's on the way out. I'm going to ask you to put in the buckets at all of our campuses. We want to send you a letter and talk about what it means to serve the Lord on a daily basis. Father, bless your people as they go forth this day. In the wonderful name of Jesus. And everybody said, can we give the Lord a hand clap? Come on, can we do that? We love you guys. God bless you. See you next week. Wow, what a great way to kick off our new series. And honestly, I can't wait to see how God speaks to all of us throughout the rest of this series. So let's all make plans to be at church again together next week. Also, we want to help you get connected here at Church of the King and, and really equip you to grow in your relationship with God. So please make plans to join us at our online next steps, and you can do that today. Just go to churchoftheking.com slash next steps. You'll be able to get some more information and to register. And I hope that we get to see you there. We really do hope to get to see you there. And we love our church online family so much and can't wait to see you again next week. So have a great week. And if you need anything during this week, please feel free to reach out to us by emailing online at churchoftheking.com.